1: Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. This is our MLB Power Rankings show where we break down my weekly Power Rankings column that goes up on NBC Sports Edge every Tuesday. We're recording this Monday night, what is it, June 20th, uh, for yeah, for some context as we talk about wins and losses and stats and whatnot. I'm Drew Silva, joining me here and every week throughout the season is my co-host Janice Scurrio. Uh, welcome in, Janice. Thanks for handling the Power Ranking Show while, while I was on vacation last week. I'm not going to talk about my vacation anymore because I did that Q- Q&A after the Peacock game yesterday on Sunday with with Chris Crawford, and I just grilled him about how much fun I had. Um, but yeah, I, I come back to find that it's late June already, and like all-star voting is in full swing. I don't know how that happened. Uh, But anyway, is there uh, anything specific that you're looking forward to from around the baseball world this coming week?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So while I was uh, grilling you on eating chicken nuggets while you were on the East Coast the entire time, uh, yeah, I was thinking of some interesting matchups this week. Uh, so Sho- Shohei Otani takes the mound on Wednesday versus Kansas City. Uh, so it is, it's is—it's always a treat to watch him pitch. And you know how I love left-handed pitchers, uh, Tyler Anderson, Tarek Skubal, uh, Carlos Rodon. All those guys pitch on Wednesday. That being said, I'm going to go with Tristan McKenzie facing Sonny Gray on Wednesday. So McKenzie has pitched at least six innings, eight times in a row now, uh, topping out at seven and two thirds against Detroit on May 29th. So he's been pretty great. Uh, So he has a 296 ERA on the season. Uh, So Sonny Gray is still coming off a pectoral injury and has a pitch limit, had a pitch limit in his last start, but he should be able to go a little bit deeper against the Guardians. And he has the 209 ERA going into that outing. So a little uh, AL Central uh, matchup there. But otherwise, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to this week.
1: I forgot about that Chicken Nuggets tweet and I just (laughs) brought it up. And I was at a, at a bar to be fair, where you can kind of bring in your own food, like this old fisherman's bar. And there's like a food stand next door that has the freshest seafood and it's relatively cheap. Um, but those are, those are deep fried scallops, you know, pulled out of the water that day. And then whole belly clams, which I love, but people think are weird because a whole belly clams mean a whole belly clam means like it's all the guts of the clam. Yeah. Essentially eating like clam poop. (laughs)
2: um yeah that does not sound too uh appealing to me well
1: it is appealing they're <laughs> fantastic it, it's that's the only place i would order them in the world out there in provincetown like the very tip of the east coast because they're fresh and i i know they're weird but man they're amazing and i, I already missed them anyway i'm not talking about uh my vacation anymore i'm I'm sorry to the listeners who, who tuned into sunday's show and are, and are listening to this now a little promo read before we get started Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Mets take on the Marlins in Miami on Sunday, June 26th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. All right, let's jump into these power rankings. As usual, we will do a deep dive on each of the teams in the top five and then discuss the three key risers and three of the biggest fallers from the previous week to the current week. If you want rankings and observations on all 30 clubs, check out the full power rankings column. On Tuesday, usually goes up late morning, early afternoon, depending on how long it takes me to actually write the whole thing. All right, start us out, Janice, with who we have at number one overall this week.
2: All right. At number one overall, we've got the New York Yankees. Uh, So same old story. Uh, The Yanks are playing some spectacular ball. Uh, Their nine game winning streak ended on Sunday, actually, even though they launched five home runs against the Blue Jays. But they still fell short, but otherwise uh, still holding strong and uh, still overall the best team in baseball.
1: Yeah, another week, another extended winning streak for the Yankees, like you said. That latest one was nine games, nine straight victories against the Twins, Cubs, Rays, and Blue Jays finally snapped, as you mentioned on Sunday, with a 10-9 loss to Toronto. So that was a near sweep as well of a division rival. This is the fourth time in franchise history that the Yankees have won 49 of their first 66 games. Uh, The other three times were nineteen twenty eight. 1939 and 1998 and if those years sound familiar at all uh, to yankees fans out there or just fans of baseball in general it's because they were world series championship seasons for this organization Um, right now a winning percentage of 742 no other team is even close to 700 in the winning percentage category Uh, the mets had the second best winning percentage entering play on monday at 647 and yeah the yankees are at 742 for the Yankees a 29 and 7 record at home, 20 and 10 on the road. Uh they're 20 and 8 against teams with records above 500. They are number 1 in combined team ERA at 2.86, number 1 in combined team OPS at 772. Like I don't know, what else is there to say? This is a juggernaut getting it done in, on all sides of the baseball all aspects on the road away pitching, hitting. I think major props to Brian Cashman and company um, because a lot of outside pundits and like insider types too felt like their offseason strategy was misguided or like disappointing, definitely disappointing. Uh, But here we are. I I think it's going to be a long reign at the number one spot in these power rankings for the Yankees. It's already been three or four weeks now that they've been up here. And, um, I'm sure there's some sort of downturn coming. Like baseball is hard, and they're going to run into some losses eventually, uh, but it's all smooth sailing at the moment. And the and the Yankees are 11 games up on first place in the AL East as we chat here on Monday night.
2: All right, let's go to that other New York team, the New York Mets, at number two. Uh, so on Sunday, Chris Bassett went six and one-thirds inning, struck out nine. It wasn't enough for a win, but they did take two out of three from the Marlins. They are now 44-24, and 24, which is a pretty fantastic record.
1: Yeah, actually took three of four from the Marlins, including they had that Monday afternoon game at oh, Citi okay. Field. Yeah, won two of three from both the Angels and Brewers before that. So just more series victories to add to the Mets resume here in what has been a fantastic first half of the 2022 season in Queens. Yeah, Monday afternoon was a six to nothing shutout win over Miami. The 11th shutout of the year for the Mets started out by David Peterson uh, and then three relievers behind him to to close out that scoreless win 11 shutouts is tied with the Yankees for most of the majors. And that has all happened without Jacob deGrom and, and for the last month without Max Scherzer too. Um, and uh, updates on those guys, deGrom is doing simulated innings. He's aiming for a return sometime after the all-star break in July. Scherzer. Meanwhile, he's scheduled for a minor league rehab start on Tuesday uh, when this podcast episode goes up, he could jump right back into the starting rotation as soon as this Sunday. Uh, That would be just five and a half weeks removed from that moderate to high-grade internal oblique strain that was expected to keep him sidelined for six and possibly even eight weeks. Um, So very positive news there that he's made a a quick recovery. Even if Scherzer isn't quite ready on Sunday, it's probably late next week would be like a sure thing for his return. And then maybe DeGrom a few weeks later. So the best team in the National League, at at least by win-loss record, and, and they're about to get a whole lot richer pitching-wise heading into the second half of the season. I, I think an easy pick there for for number two in these rankings.
2: Right. At number three, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So Tyler Anderson came dangerously close to a no-hitter last week on Wednesday. Thwarted by Shohei Otani, uh, the Dodgers have not been playing some great baseball lately. So I can tell you all about the Craig Kimbrell experience as a White Sox fan, but they've been so good. The Dodgers have been so good that it hasn't seemed to really affect them in the standings.
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been a bit of a rough patch for them. They're, they're just 7-9 and nine so far in June on a 7-11 and 11 slide, if you take it back to the final couple days of May. Uh, You mentioned Craig Kimbrell. His struggles have continued, even worsened. Um, He's allowed 12 runs, 10 earned over his last 12 and a third innings. Daniel Hudson had a a rough go of it in the eighth inning on Sunday too before that another bad appearance from Kimbrell. That all led to the Dodgers dropping three of four to the Guardians, who we'll be talking about here in a bit. Um, So the bullpen issues, and then there's the Mookie Betts injury. He landed on the injured list on Sunday with a cracked rib uh stemming from an outfield collision with teammate Cody Bellinger. Not an ideal time for bets to go down, obviously, given the recent below average team-wide results. So yeah, the the bullpen issues, the bets injury, that's prime primarily where the doom and gloom stems from right now. But they do have 40 wins. And, and as you said, as we chat here, they are still in first place in the National League West. Uh, Gavin Lux is worth highlighting. He's at 347 with a 938 OPS through his first 54 plate appearances here in June. I think it might be worth a move up the batting order for Lux with Betts not being there. Lux has mostly hit ninth, sometimes eighth. But I could see manager Dave Roberts riding the hot hand there and and giving him some looks near the top. Uh, Lux is definitely a smart waiver wire target in fantasy uh, if he hasn't already been scooped up with this hot stretch. We'll see how the Dodgers fight out of this a long road trip coming up, three at Cincinnati, three at Atlanta, and then three at Coors Field. Uh, they stick at number three this week, but at risk of dropping if that road swing goes poorly.
2: At number four, the Houston Astros. Uh, so please don't make me talk about the home run ball kid. I am so done with that. But uh, after the off day.
1: I don't um, know what that is. What I was on <laughs> vacation. I, I said I wasn't going to mention, but what is that?
2: That was just yesterday. Uh, oh, okay. So- so apparently, yeah, uh, some kid caught the first home run hit by, I can't remember who it was. It's it's uh, I can't remember his name off the, top of my, off the top of my head, but he was essentially running this hard bargain where he was like, all right, so I'll give you this ball back if you give me like four tickets to a future Astros game. And essentially his price continued to raise as... Oh, yeah. As the jig went up. And so I don't blame him. I don't blame him. But it it got to the point where everyone just kept talking about the home run ball kid. And after that, I was just like, all right, I'm done. I am done with the home run ball kid.
1: Sorry I made you talk about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I kind of brought it up, so it's all good. Yeah, Uh, fair enough. So um, as of Monday afternoon at plus 53, they have the second largest run differential in the American League. And so, yeah, we could definitely start there.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a case to be made for putting the Astros at number three, definitely coming off a better week than the, than the Dodgers. But I, I I felt like we should just stay static here with the top four for now. Houston took two of three from the Rangers to begin last week's slate, then two of three from your White Sox. Before before that, though, was a couple of ugly series losses to the Mariners and, and Marlins, which is why I'm not budging on a top three spot for the Strohs just yet. I'm also a little worried about what's going on with Jordan Alvarez. He missed Sunday's series finale against Chicago with some sort of injury. Uh, manager Dusty Baker declined to get into specifics about what exactly is ailing Alvarez. Like It sounds like it's something with his hand, hopefully just a bruise or some soreness and, and not anything too serious. There's been a lot of that with the Astros this year, like cagey about medical issues, which I find odd. Like I've been doing this a long time where... I mean, a lot of our job is like writing about injuries and the impact it's going to have. And, you know, like there should be some rules in place, or I think there are some rules in place about having to disclose the location of an injury and and at least an estimated prognosis about injuries. All other teams disclose disclose that stuff. And with gambling on the rise, I would think that Major League Baseball and its gambling partners now. Uh, are not happy about that caginess, But, yeah, anyway, Alvarez had been on a tear, leads all hitters in batting average OPS and RBIs since May 29th. So, yeah, again, hopefully it's nothing serious and we get a little more clarity about the situation ahead of Tuesday's series opener against the Mets. That'll be followed by four games against the Yankees and then the Mets again next week. So some big tests ahead for the Astros. I could see them rising up into the top three. Uh, but for now, I, I think it's right to keep them at number four and, and have the Dodgers stick at three.
2: At number five, the San Diego Padres. So climbing back into the top five, Oh, welcome back, San Diego. So Manny Machado had quite a scary injury, and watching the replays of it, it made me extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. But the x-rays did come back negative, uh, so we're looking at what might be a severe sprain. So uh, they were swept over the weekend by the Rockies of all teams. Although as of Monday afternoon, they are only a half game back of the Dodgers.
1: This was a a strange uh, and difficult week to to compile the top of the rankings because so many teams in like this number three to number seven range are are coming off sort of disappointing, discouraging recent outcomes, including the Padres who, like you said, just got swept by the Rockies over the weekend at Coors Field and lost Manny Machado. Uh, to a severe ankle sprain on Sunday afternoon. The replay looked terrible. Like, I thought he broke it. Like, it, his his ankle snapped in half. But sometimes those ankle injuries, like especially in basketball, they look terrible on slow-mo replay, and then they turn out to be just, you know, the players back in the game. Like uh, So ankles are resilient sometimes, as long as it's not like a high ankle sprain. Uh, but, yeah, the Padres did sweep a four-game series before that, getting swept by the Rockies. They, they swept a four game series from the Cubs at Wrigley field to begin last week's schedule. And they have 41 wins and are just a half game back of the Dodgers for first place in the NL West. As of Monday evening, the Padres play on Monday night, late Monday night, the Dodgers are off. So we'll, we'll update that for the column. Yeah. Just about to start a seven game homestand against the Diamondbacks and Phillies. Luke Voigt has been on a heater. He can help replace some of Machado's offense if, if Machado requires an IL stint. Voigt has a 949 OPS over his last 92 plate appearances dating back to May 31st. In his last 11 games, Voigt has four homers, eight doubles, 14 RBIs, and nine runs scored. He has battled some injuries and inconsistencies since leading the entire league in home runs during the the, the, the COVID-shortened 2020 season. But he's healthy now and showing what he can do when that confidence returns. Uh, Speaking of returns, there's still not much progress on the Fernando Tatis Jr. front. He'd been aiming to join the active roster by late June, coming off that March surgery for a fractured wrist. They said it was going to be three months. We're, We're fast approaching the three month mark, but a checkup CT scan taken last week didn't show the level of healing that everyone was hoping for. So I guess we're targeting like mid-July possibly now, probably sometime after the All-Star break for Tatis to make his season debut. He hasn't had like a major setback or anything, and that'll obviously be a big boost whenever he is finally
0: ready. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.
2: All right. So that does it for the top five. Uh, Let's go ahead and move into the biggest risers of the week. So at number eight, we've got the Atlanta Braves climbing up four spots from 12. So they won 15 of their last 17 they actually did lose a series to the cubs over the weekend uh, but they've got quite a different difficult schedule ahead and perhaps this is what truly tests if they're up to the task
1: yeah the, yeah defending world series champs they began the month of june on a 14 game winning streak uh, before dropping 2 of 3 to the cubs this past weekend avoided a sweep on sunday though with a 6 nothing victory helped by ian anderson's best start of the season to date um, it's fascinating. Like, so the Braves were obviously a disappointment out of the gate this year, 10 and 12 record in April, 13 and 15 record in May, but they never lost three games in a row over those two months. And obviously still haven't, uh, that's impressive. Like even, even through the early stumbles, managing to avoid an, an extended losing skid. And then they flip it on this month and are now in position for the third NL wildcard spot while also gaining a a bit of ground on the Mets for first place in the National League East. Um, That's going to be a steep climb, but they're making up ground. Um, Adam Duvall has turned it on. Michael Harris the second has been a revelation. Uh, They're hitting. The pitching has looked a whole lot better. Like I mentioned, Ian Anderson coming around, Max Fried. Um, We did a, a podcast a few weeks ago as part of circling the bases where we drafted World Series teams and looked at their updated odds on points bet. And I made the Braves the 10th overall pick in that. I I can't remember what their odds were exactly, but it was high. It was like plus 2,200 or something in that range. And I wish that I actually would have made that bet. Um, (laughs) Let me see what they are right now. I I had it pulled up. They're plus 1,100 now, and that's tied for the fifth best odds. Dodgers at plus 425. Yankees at plus 450. Astros plus 700, Mets plus 800, and then Braves, Padres, Blue Jays are all at plus 1100. I'm not saying I think the Braves will repeat, uh, but that probably would have been a wise bet a couple of weeks ago before that winning streak really began to grow and yeah, got all, all the way up to 14, um, which was huge, huge for them after a disappointing start to their reigning champion season. Up at number eight now in these rankings and, and certainly on the right track.
2: Right. At number 14, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, they had a pretty strong weekend in D.C., overshadowed a bit due to Bryce Harper's blister situation. Apparently, uh, he has a blister that's been pretty badly infected. But otherwise, uh, the Phillies have won 14 of 17 games and have the majors' second-best record in June this month. Uh, they're 14-2. and two.
1: Maybe Joe Girardi really was the problem. I mean, <laughs> Maybe, since, yeah. I mean, since firing Girardi on the morning of June third, the Phillies are fourteen and three, and fifteen and three overall since the calendar flipped from May. That includes a nine-game winning streak that stretched from June first to June eleventh. They just took four of five from the Nationals. Now we had the the finale of that series on Peacock, our Sunday MLB leadoff game, Mets and Marlins coming up this Sunday, as I mentioned. In that earlier promo read, I do enjoy those broadcasts and and the live Q and A's that our edge crew does after, after the games are over, I'm stalling here because I don't know how to explain what the Phillies are doing, winning games in a lot of different ways, like timely hits, big moments from under the radar relievers. Some guys I've never even heard of and some crafty managerial decisions from interim manager, Rob Thompson. Uh, There are still problems like defensively. And with the bullpen, and I, those issues aren't aren't going to go away magically. Especially the defense, which we knew would be a challenge going into the season, and it probably can't be corrected on the fly. Uh, but they could pick up some relief help and try to sort of like outslug some of their weaknesses. Like that was pretty much their plan going into the year, and they're they're finally starting to do it. Uh, just win games with offense and, and hope that your top end starters pitch well. Is it a sustainable strategy? I, I don't know, but, but it's working right now. And, yeah, they're into the top 15, leading into a two-game set at the Rangers and then four games at San Diego as this week plays out.
2: Right. See here. Alright, so at number 16, the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, uh, so this
1: is <laughs> I had trouble finding them too because I don't think we've talked about them on this podcast. I don't
2: think so either. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so as a fan of an wow. AL Central team, like I for one don't want to talk about the Guardians, but I will uh, just mainly because yeah, the Guardians are really creeping up on the Minnesota Twins, and they are just one game back for the lead in the AL Central that is as of Monday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, they had a great comeback win on Sunday. So on their road trip, they were 5-1, and one, and ha- they have also won six series in a row.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I we haven't talked about the Guardians on this podcast all year since – we just – we focus on the top five each week and then the three biggest risers and three biggest fallers. And the Guardians have sat in the middle of the pack or like just under it for, you know, over the first 11 weeks of the season. Um, so we, they just don't get broad, brought up a lot on this show. But, yeah, a three-spot jump here, having won six consecutive series, like you said. They're 15-4 and four going back to May 30th, 13-4 uh, and four so far in June. There's probably a case to be made that that Cleveland should even be in my top 15, Um, but we'll pump the brakes just a tad and see how this coming week goes. Three games at Minnesota. That's a big AL Central matchup. Three at home versus the Red Sox, who are on on their own kind of rise. So interesting matchups there on all sides. Uh, Shane Bieber deserves some love. Remember when the season began and his velocity was down? coming mm-hmm. off that shoulder strain that that washed out his second half last year. Well, he has a 2.18 ERA with 55 strikeouts over his last 45 and a third innings. Only nine walks in that span. Just 18 walks and 78 total innings this season. He struck out nine batters on Sunday against the Dodgers as the Guardians took two of three in that series against Los Angeles. That was the 33rd career nine-plus strikeout game for Bieber, which is the second most for any Cleveland pitcher through his first 95 Major League appearances, more than Bob Feller uh, and more than Corey Kluber back when you know he was winning Cy Young awards in the early part of his career. Uh, Bieber has lost some some velocity on his fastball. There's no doubt about that, and we're not going to see the 14.2 strikeouts per nine that he put up when he won his Cy Young award in 2020. You now that was kind of small sample size, but his command is impeccable, and he's been a bulldog this year for a team that had pretty low expectations coming in. Like we knew they could pitch probably, uh, but the offense has been better than expected, and it's it's all come together in the last couple of weeks, and yeah, maybe they can make a charge at a wild card spot and, and do some adding at the deadline and become a real contender with with the arms that they have.
2: Do you have to say? Uh, so, uh, my guest co-host last week, uh, Mikey Hedo, is a huge Shane Bieber stan. So, respect. Uh, <laughs> indeed, uh, I believe Mikey said that he writes about Shane Bieber at least once a year. So, he he basically showed me, yeah. There's this sometimes there's this player that you develop this affinity for, and you just. Oh, yeah help but just stay invested in them for me that's gavin lux so you actually like talked about gavin lux earlier in this podcast (laughs) so gavin lux is essentially my pet player uh so shane bieber is my friend mikey's so
1: gavin it's been a rocky road for for gavin lux but like you just knew he would figure it out at some point he's so talented and his triple a numbers are like just bonkers um a guy that hits that well in the upper minors is is gonna going to figure it out at some point and and it looks like he he might have uh, if he can keep this rolling.
2: Absolutely. The pride of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, yes.
1: Where where all great baseball players come from. <laughs>
2: Let's head into your biggest fallers of the week. Uh, so at number 13, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays. So this is a mighty big fall, but they've had plenty of one-run losses lately. So uh, they had a pretty tough time against Baltimore. They're only 5-4 and four against Baltimore this season. Uh, so, yeah, their loss on Sunday gave the Rays back-to-back series losses against the Orioles for the first time since 2017.
1: Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was a rough road trip that the Rays just went on. Nine total games, and they picked up only two wins. Uh, Dropped two of three to the Twins, got swept by the Yankees, and then lost two of three to the Orioles over the weekend in Baltimore. They gave up just 23 earned runs in those nine games. That's a 2.56 ERA and only 11 runs over the last six against the Yankees and Orioles, a 1.83 ERA. But this, this Ray's offense is showing its warts. It's why I was concerned about them going into the season. It's just not a very deep lineup at all. And with Wander Franco and Brandon Lau and Mike Zanino all injured, uh, Manuel Margot now too, he, he's going to be placed on the injured list on Tuesday. Kevin Kiermaier as well. Um, it's, it's just like I, I don't even know who they're going to be throwing out there in the lineup on a day-to-day basis with all those guys hurt. Tampa Bay's front office and ownership like needs to make a commitment to upgrades at the trade deadline. Bring on some bats, some arms, even uh, to help with some of the the workload issues that could pop up in the second half with all the youngsters they have. Um, and I know the Rays have real payroll constraints. Like I don't really think they just cry poor like some teams do. Like you know that they they have issues payroll, but you know maybe grab like a bad contract from some team and, and give up young talent so that the team that they're trading with eats a bit of the money. Um, I don't know. They'll, they'll probably flip the script on me and turn things around. There's still six games above 500 as of Monday evening and, and holding that third AL wildcard spot, but there's work to do uh, a three game series against the Yankees now. Like good luck with that. Uh, yeah. Down to number 13 from number eight. Yeah. It, it is a big drop where we are in the season. Like uh, sometimes I'll do that early on in the season, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not liking what I'm seeing from the rays right now.
2: Same here. Uh, Speaking of uh, other things that no one really wants to see, uh, the Los Angeles angels of falling three spots from 14 to 17. So last week they were almost no hit by Tyler Anderson, uh, but they did go on to take four out of five, five games out of Seattle. Mike Trout hit five homers. Uh, but this is still a bit of a mighty drop. Uh, so I was curious, what is your reasoning
1: here? Yeah, they did just win four of five against the Mariners. Mike Trout went bonkers, uh, five home runs in five games, like you said. He became the first player in MLB history to hit four game game-winning home runs in a single series, like home runs that put his team ahead for good. Uh, but that, just, that doesn't completely wash away what has been an awful overall stretch that goes back to – mid to late may and that cost manager joe madden his job um that happened like the week between when we last recorded a show um yeah a record of six and 19 since may 25th sitting three games under 500 as of monday evening um anthony rendon is done for the season and will need surgery to to repair major damage in his right wrist uh, he was signed to a seven year, $245 million free agent deal back in December 2019 and has appeared in just 155 total games for the Angels while batting 252 with a 780 OPS, 20 home runs, 89 RBIs. Like if you compare that to Rendon's final season with the Nationals, when he batted 319 with a 1010 OPS, 34 homers, 126 RBIs, and 146 games. Um, it's it's pretty drastic. That was a third place finish in the NL MVP vote for Rendon that year. Um, he'll be 33 this time next June uh, with a variety of durability concerns. I, I think this, that has the potential to be another albatross contract for Anaheim if it isn't already. Um, but hey, like you said, they're coming off a good weekend and Trout is mashing. Uh, yeah, positive thoughts, but <laughs> I don't I don't think it looks too good. <laughs>
2: All right. So speaking of another organization who could probably use as many positive thoughts as they need, uh, the Chicago Cubs uh, said they're number 25. Last week, they were number 22. They are two and eight in their last 10 as of Monday afternoon. Uh, their overall record is 25 and 41. Woof, uh, they're pretty terrible. Uh, but at least Christopher Morel, Ian Happ, and William Contreras are good. Uh, David Robertson, whenever he has a save opportunity, he's been he's been pretty good as well. So, what do Cubs fans actually have to look forward to?
1: They won two of three against the Braves over the weekend. But uh, yeah, preceding that was a 10-game losing streak that went from June 4th to June 16th. Kyle Hendricks got beat up by Atlanta on Sunday, his season ERA rising to 5.43. I, I got to wonder where Hendricks' trade value lies. Probably not very high, given that he's you know a low strikeout guy who also got knocked around a fair bit last year. Uh, Wilson Contreras should at least be a nice chip for the front office to shop. Um, he's an impending free agent, so they're definitely going to deal him, I would, I would assume. Unless there's like some surprise extension in the works, he's batting 283 with a 395 on base percentage, 532 slugging percentage. That's a 927 OPS, 12 home runs, and 57 games played. Contreras has been the best offensive catcher in the league uh, this year by a good margin. So he could bring back a legit prospect or two. It's sad that we're talking about trades already with this team and and that we knew that we would be talking about trades this time of year with this team they are for some reason operating like a small market organization i can't say i understand it but uh maybe whatever this rebuild is will eventually bear a lot of fruit christopher, christopher morell like you mentioned he's a really fun player and young and maybe he can prove to be a cornerstone um yeah i think ian hap could get traded too so uh another another fun guy that could be on the move but at least they have morell i guess um my little nine-year-old niece is unfortunately growing up a, a big Cubs fan because my brother has raised her in Chicago. So I, I don't know. I hope for for her that they're a competitive team. By the time she's like in her teens, she's nine right now. So I guess that would be four years from now.
2: That's I would say. I mean, like you know, Chicago has another baseball team, right?
1: Yeah, and I've been I've been trying to say that. Like, go go t- make her a White Sox fan. But my brother bought season tickets to the Cubs. And I think because they're so bad and that this rebuild might take a while, they treat their season ticket holders really well. Like at any anytime they go to a game, like she gets a little present and like someone will come down and talk to them. And like they give her like these cub ears. So I don't know. They've indoctrinated my niece. <laughs> oh,
2: my goodness. Oh.
1: It's really so, sad.
2: I was about to say, yeah. As as a Cardinals fan and as a White Sox fan, I feel as if we could like single handedly fight this whatever yeah. indoctrination the cut like the Cubs are doing to your niece.
1: I think it, I think she's in too deep. I tried. I was hanging out with her all all last week and wasn't wasn't gaining any ground. I was trying to explain to her that she roots for a bad team, and she said Wrigley Field's cool, and I was like, I, I can't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this week's Power Rankings show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, check out the Power Rankings column. Goes up every Tuesday on NBC Sports Edge. Rankings, observations on all 30 teams. Rate and review the Circling the Bases podcast. Uh, we love five stars, but any feedback is welcome. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Janice is at Scuriosa. And peace out. Peace out.